regards to fake spike jets chargers review lots of stuff to talk about jets uh you know they did what they usually do they lost and they know you mr organized there trying wanted to get your thoughts together so uh why don't you uh start us off with some with some gems so obviously i was i wanted to jump on and do this last night but just my mind was all over the place because first i wanted to give them credit for the first quarter because they were making winning plays they were making important plays the obviously i'm talking about the blocked punt the key turnover and then the wheels came off with the pick six and as soon as that happened i, I knew that was the instance there was no we can rebound we can score another touchdown that, that was it. I, at that point, to me, the game was over, and it was just how bad it was going to be. I wanted the, the one thing that I want to get your thoughts on before we dive into the game. The final score was 34-28, six-point game. Do you classify that as a one-score game, or do you believe the score is deceiving and the game was not as close as the score indicates? Because I'm firmly on the side of this was nowhere near as close as a six-point game indicates if you just look at the box score. Uh, that is tough because I think um, the Chargers don't know how to close teams out, as evidenced by all the games they've blown in the fourth quarter. And the Jets, to their credit, one of the things I wanted to do is give give them a little bit of credit for not folding. So I can't necessarily say it was a blowout. I mean, it it wasn't like the Buffalo game, the first Buffalo game, right? The Jets lost by 10. It felt like they lost by 40. This didn't feel that way. It did for a little while, but the whole second half was all Jets. You know, the Jets... Uh, how much? What did the Chargers score? 13 points in the second half? The second half was all Jets. The Jets hung in there. They made some big plays on both offense and defense. So I can't necessarily say I feel the game was not as close as it was. I think, if anything, the Jets make their kicks and don't throw pick sixes and, and don't get stupid at the end. They legitimately have a chance to win that game. So the Jets' second half is actually on my list of positives. I agree with you. The offense opened up. We'll touch, uh, we'll touch more on this in a second. But... Two questions as I was watching the second half. Number one, I was going to myself, of course, Jets are going to, they tend to make big plays when they're pretty much out of a game. It wasn't like, I was excited because it, it was nice to see them make the big plays, take the shots downfield. But at the same time, I was like, where the hell was this offense before? We're playing against a rookie quarterback who looks terrific. And the Chargers are not playing conservative. The Chargers are just playing a regular game. And you know what bothered me, Rob? When I was watching the second half and the Jets finally opened up and took a lot of shots downfield, a couple of them were completed. A couple of them got a pass interference call or illegal contact downfield. And all I'm thinking is, for the past couple of years, the game has been geared towards the offense. Why not take more of these deep shots? If you get picked off, it's like a punt. Obviously not the ideal scenario. But so many, especially when you get these one-on-one -on -one matchups, when you're not throwing into triple coverage... The game is just geared. It's either going to be a catch or it's you have a very high likelihood of picking up a, a defensive penalty, pass interference, illegal contact, holding, whatever that may be, which prolongs your drive. The Jets, just even the pick six, it was such a dumb call. You're running and you're inside your own five-yard line. You're running a sideline out and it's a four-yard route. So, so, so that already didn't make sense. So, so the second half, while I was anything, celebrating a, the big plays, you run a slant go ahead, if anything, go ahead. where a guy's running in instead of out. You know, it's just the further you have to throw the ball and the more ground you have to cover, the better chance it is a defender's going to be there. And I was just, as I was watching the game, I was like, do we really not have any faith in Sam Darnold? Is that why we're calling a high school offense? 
Or what changed that suddenly in the second half against the Chargers, when we were well on the way to 0-10, that was the time when we finally opened up. I don't want to criticize them for opening up the offense because it was good to see. But at the same time as I was watching it, I was just boiling with frustration saying, where has this been all goddamn season? And don't tell me about the injured receivers. Don't tell me about the lack of talent. Play with what you have and do the best you can. You Just because you had a couple of injured receivers, I, I, I don't understand. I don't, you still, that should not stop you from taking any shots downfield. I mean, this was the first game that after the... After it was over, I thought to myself, wow, you know, at least they tried. They tried to stretch the defense. They took some shots downfield. It was good to see. But overall, it just left me more frustrated that uh, it took us 10 weeks and uh, losing half a football to a bad Chargers team to finally say, fuck it. Let's let's open it up. Let's go for broke like it should have been all along. Yeah, I got, I got two things on Adam Gase for that. Number one, um, to, to go directly to your point, is that Adam Gase has two gears, run the ball up the middle or throw the ball deep. He does not ever play the middle of the field. You know, those calls, there's never a slant. There's never a quick out. Everything is like downfield, which, yeah, great. You want to see stuff downfield. But as we said the first time Perriman got in the lineup a couple of weeks ago, you can't stretch the defense by simply throwing long every single time because then it, it doesn't actually do anything. You have to mix it up. It's not all about one or the other. The second point I'm going to make is that Adam Gase, as we've talked about a million times, and it's on my list to talk about here, he coaches scared when things are not going well. And then as soon as something starts to go wrong, he he, he goes into a shell. When things start to go right again, he gets all brave again. He doesn't, he, it's it's like he doesn't have any consistency. Without, without something working, he stops trying it. When something starts working, he starts to go with it again until it doesn't work anymore. And then he and then he stops using it again. He's so maddeningly inconsistent and so obvious with his play calls that it, it is completely frustrating to watch the Jets. And that, you know, that sequence at the end of the game still makes me sick, even though, you know, granted, I don't want the Jets to win. I will sit there and, and root for them. But at the end of the game, I will cool off and I will be happy they lost. But that sequence at the end of the game where he was throwing bombs on every, on every, on, uh, on every down is, was sickening to me. So that, that's my like answer to your question. Why did it open it up? It was like watching kids play in a, in a schoolyard where everybody, you have a quarterback and four wide receivers, everybody just runs as far as they can, and you throw the ball. That was uh, that was his idea of going deep. But the Jets, as I, as I was watching the game, and especially the, the first quarter after the pick six, all I kept thinking is like the Jets this season, they remind me of a roller coaster where the first quarter is you have that slow, steady climb up. So that's basically, to me, that's the Jets. They have the ball. They have a slow drive. The game just started, and you're kind of hoping, maybe this is the night. This is the day that this, they're going to get the win. And then, like every roller coaster, they reach the top, and there's a free fall. But after the free fall, there's supposed to be some peaks and valleys, except the Jets, they just do the plunge, and they're like, fuck this. We're not fighting out of this. Any bad play, any momentum swinging play, and they just don't have the backbone to fight back to gain momentum. It's just like, well... That's it. That's what we were waiting for. Let's play this out. Go home and wait for the next one. Yeah, and but that's that's Gase's coaching. That is that's the way he coaches his. That's the way he play. He calls his plays. That's obviously the way he, he supports his team after the game. He he, you know, well, if they could have if they could have ran the plays the right way, it would have worked. Or you know, I didn't want to give this guy carries because it's going to hurt his confidence. Or I don't want to do this. I mean, that that's what Gase does. Gase gives up on his team, and his team gives up because. Your team's a reflection of your coach. 
I don't, I don't know if you caught a phrase, but there was a phrase the announcer said during the game that pretty much summarized Adam Gaze to me and confirmed to me that what you and me have been saying about the guy not being able to relate to his players, just being an X's and O's guy, we've been 100% correct. I don't want to misquote it, but it was basically in the lines of they were discussing how Gaze handed off the play calling duties to his offensive coordinator. And when he did so, he also said, and I quote, being a coach is very difficult because outside of calling plays, I have to communicate with the guys. And sometimes I just don't know if I should tell them something or leave them be and leave them alone. This is a right. goddamn I head did, coach. I, <laughs> you should never leave them alone. You should be in their ear every minute of the freaking game. Like, I'm sorry, if I'm working for a Fortune 500 company, we're sitting at a board meeting and the CEO says... I, I just, I don't know. I don't know how to pump up my employees. Should I just give them a pep talk? Should I leave them be? That's not a leader. I can't, like, I know Bill Parcells is one of my favorite coaches of all time. I just can't imagine him. Maybe he's wrong. Maybe he's right. But when he speaks, you believe him because he says it with such conviction and he has a winning track record. I can't imagine Bill Parcells talking to the press afterwards and saying, I just didn't know. Maybe I should have spoken to Vinny Testaverde. Maybe I should. I just wasn't sure. I wasn't sure. I just that just boggled my mind and confirmed everything we've been saying about Gaze that he's just simply ill-equipped to be a head coach in the NFL because he cannot relate to the players. And he's not a leader. That that's not a leader comment there. A leader is going to be in your guys' ears the whole time. It doesn't mean you have to be See maybe Gaze thinks he has to trash them or or correcting them makes them feel bad or something maybe maybe he doesn't realize that you can you can be in a kid's ear and be constructive and tell him what to do and guide him and coach him and and you know put him on the right path and give him ways to succeed maybe he doesn't maybe he legitimately does not understand that you know that's, that's quite possible maybe he it just has doesn't to have be that capacity it. it has to be it so my rule of thumb is going forward as we do these podcasts uh, recapping the game if the jets are going to win or when the jets are going to win a game or two next season i'm going to do season. the negatives first <laughs> i'm going to do the negatives first and finish with the positives when the jets lose a game like they're going to lose all the games for the rest of this season I'm gonna jump touch. Uh, I'm gonna touch on a few positives first and finish off with the negatives. And the biggest positive for me was Denzel Mims. I mean, I'm 100 with. You. I'm all in on the kid. I am all in. He gets better and better with more live reps. He seems like he's not afraid and actually thrives when he gets a chance to go for uh, when he gets covered one on one. He'll go up. He'll get it. He is legit. I'm all in on him, and I think experience will just, with experience, he'll continue to evolve. I believe we have a real offensive weapon in Denzel. I'm a big fan. I, I agree. I agree. I, I love watching the kid. There was, you know, that play at the end of the game with where the, he didn't get, I don't understand how they didn't give him a pass interference call. The guy was on top of him. I granted they were pushing back and forth and they had hands on each other, but the guy never turned around and he was laying on him. I don't understand how that's not pass interference, but you know, I like the way he, he as a rookie, he's already pushing and, and, and shoving hands off of him and he's, and he's got a lot of hand play. And then there was one catch. It was just a catch. It was not remarkable in any way, but the way he went up to get it and came down with it, it made me realize that I have not seen that kind of play from a Jets receiver and who knows how long. Jet receivers tend to try and go up and almost like they 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 know it's a 50-50 catch every time and they and they go up and they wait for the ball to get to them. This guy went up and put his back to the guy and had his one leg all the way up in the air as he was falling back catching the ball. It's like he put his, his body in a position to catch the ball and the other guy was not going to get the ball. And, and, and I was like, wow. 
That that is a play I would see a receiver on a real football team make, and I have not seen the Jets make that play at all. Any receivers don't n- never done anything like that in my recent memory. So that that was that was one of the times I was like, "Yep, we got ourselves a legitimate guy. If we can ever get him the ball, you know, the one thing I want to see from Mims I have not seen yet, we haven't had the ability is is if he's got some breakaway speed. I want to see." If you lead him on a play and it's not always a jump ball, I want to see you send him on a slant. I want to see, you know, you 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 have him do a, a a quick turn and then run and then run deep and have a step on a guy and see if he could separate. That's what I want to see. I haven't been able to see that yet, but if he turns into a great possession receiver, I'm in. Yeah, I'd love to see that, but I'm not as worried about that because in my and that's just nothing more than my personal opinion. It's a lot easier to find a compliment receiver to somebody like Mims, somebody like a Robbie Anderson who can stretch the field and basically almost a one-trick pony who'll run down the field and help you stretch the defense a little bit uh, versus having a Robbie Anderson and finding somebody like Mims who is a big guy who can win one-on-one battles, uh, who knows where the first down marker is, who'll make the tough catch. I actually would prefer to get somebody like Mims first and then pair him up with somebody because I think it's easier to find more of a one-trick pony receiver who just there basically again like a Robbie Anderson somebody who'll really stretch the field make a few explosive plays um the so, other positive is so you're so oh, you're go okay. ahead, go ahead. sorry so you're okay with him being a a, a solid possession receiver then because that's basically what you're saying if he's not going to have breakaway speed he's not going to break big plays and he's going to always know the first down marker and he's going to go up and get the ball and he's their jump ball guy in the end zone then he is a, a possession receiver which you're going to need right you're going to need guys to stretch the field but if we're talking about that superstar receiver that does it all then you want that that guy you know that Mike Evans guy who is a possession receiver and can break away you know you want a little bit of that so are you you know I'll put you on the spot are you content with Mims being a good possession receiver or do you want to see him be that that step above I definitely want to see him and I need I need for him to be a step above but I to my eyes, from what I've seen the last couple of weeks, he has that it factor. Uh, he might not be the Tyreek Hill, a guy who just as soon as he catches the ball and gets one step on the defense, he's gone. He might get caught from behind, but I definitely don't think, uh, I don't think he's somebody like a Keyshawn Johnson, a guy who would always get run down from behind. I think he's proven he can make the big play downfield. And the, big, the thing that I really love about him is even when he can't shake the defensive back and get two, three steps on him to really get behind them. He's not afraid. He really times the 50-50 jump well, and he'll come down with the ball. So if if you're telling me that I'm going to have to settle for a 30-35 yard catch, which could have been a 65-yard touchdown, I'll take the 35-yard catch in traffic. I'll take it. Uh, Obviously, I want that big 30-plus yard catch. I'm I'm not talking about 10 to 12 yards. That, to me, is the definition of the possession receiver. But I think I've seen signs that he's definitely more than that. That's why I'm really high and excited on him. Maybe, maybe. But I think that if he does not have the breakaway speed, because now let's not forget, the Jets don't have a lot of weapons around him. So when the Jets actually have another receiver who's on that level, Crowder is a slot guy. Perriman is your is your breakaway guy who's just going to go downfield. He doesn't do anything else. When you have another solid receiver that can give you more and you know, Mims is still at the point where he's not going to break away, then he's basically going to be a possession receiver because your other guy is going to get those big plays. So if Mims can't grab a step and then and then break away from a guy a little bit or get some separation so that, you know, you can throw a pass, catch him on the fly and let him try and run that in. Now, if you want to get run down from behind, that's one thing. But if you can't get behind guys and everything turns into a jump ball, 
then you're looking at a, a, a monstrous number two receiver and you still need that number one guy. So, I mean, I think it's semantics at this point. We, we can go back and forth on this point. We won't know till they put some weapons around him, give him a quarterback who can, who can actually, you know, pinpoint the ball and, and give him a line that can protect the quarterback, all of that stuff. We won't know which way it goes, but I think um, what you're saying is, is, is Mims would be a great, you know, a one A or a two. Whereas I want, you know, I want the, you know, the 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 Michael Thomases and the and the Mike Evans and those and those top guys that that are are everything. You know, so we can move on. Go ahead. What's your next? I'd one? love. I, obviously, I'd love for him to develop into that. The the second positive that I had is something you touched on. So I just want to quickly add on to it. Is the second half play calling? The offense opened up. They took shots downfield. Couple of catches. Couple of defensive penalties. Those are big plays that extend the drive and give you momentum. So it was, uh, I have to give them credit. It was nice to see the offense looking like an NFL offense that was really making big, that was making big plays that was eating up yards in chunks, not just those little two yards, six yards, 10 yards, whatever that may be. They made big plays. It was exciting and it was fun. Yep. Okay. Yeah. I had the, uh, the fact that they hung in there and didn't quit when they were down. Now I, you know, I want to I want to kind of put a, a condition on that. The Jets will quit for periods here and there because of Adam Gase, but the team as a whole hung in there. Didn't didn't you know they they folded their tents for a little while in the first half, and of course ended up you know being down 18 points in the second half. But on an overall basis, they still hung in there. They kept fighting back, and you know that th- this is a game. You know, you and me have talked about this, where the difference between an 0 and 9 team that is absolute garbage and an 0 and 9 team that is in games, is well-coached, is prepared. This is a game the Jets might have won, literally might have won if they had if they had a decent coach in there who actually could motivate players and call plays the right way and did not fucking give up on them every chance he gets. This was a legitimate chance to win. Even though they were down big a lot of the game, this was a legitimate chance for the Jets to actually win a game. First one all season, maybe the New England game because they were winning, but this is the first one all season. I got the feeling that the coach literally cost them the game. A hundred percent. It was nice for them. It was nice to see them show the fight. But yeah, it was uh, the coach who just wasn't there to take him over the finish line. And uh, the biggest, the most important positive for me that I took away from this week is we finally made not just the big plays, but I'll, I call them huge plays, the explosive plays, the plays that the winning team makes. Obviously, they all they both happened early on in the first quarter and uh, not much after that. They blocked the punt, which is a huge momentum t- momentum swing type of a play. And then what I would probably call, unless I'm forgetting something, the best defensive play of the season when the, the Chargers are driving to tie the game or take the lead because the Jets missed the extra point. And a fantastic stop. They force a fumble and a turnover inside their own 10-yard line. Huge defensive play that should have given them Tons of momentum. Worst case scenario, you run the ball a couple of times and you punt. And of course, the Jets being the Jets, the biggest positive of the season, one offensive snap, and we're jumping right into the negative. One of the most momentum-killing plays in recent memory. After your defense makes a huge stop, you got to give them some time. And this is, again... You can make an argument that uh, I'm never happy when they run, I want pass. When they when they throw a pass, I want to run. But your defense just gave up a fairly long drive. They make a huge stop. They force a turnover. If nothing else, run the ball. Give them a second to breathe. 
Give them a second yeah, to get, catch get, their get breath. Get away yes, from the freaking two-yard line. I know it worked out that it was a pick six, so the offense was right back on the field. But goddamn, I mean, you're not planning for a pick six. You're planning for a sustained drive. That play was just horrendous. To run a play, that's a, it, it was just the play was... Nobody can convince me this was the right play and it just wasn't executed poorly. I think it was a piss poor call and the result was commensurate with the play call itself. I have to be honest, I did not see the play happen as it unfolded because what happened was that that happened so fast. I, I forgot what I was doing. I looked away from the TV or I went to the maybe I went to the bathroom, something. I came back in and um, you know, the, the Chargers guy was was running the ball into the end zone. He like high stepping into the end zone. I'm like, wait a second, did they overturn the fumble? They must have overturned the fumble. There's no way, you know, like how how did they overturn that fumble? That's my thought for like for like 10 seconds. How did they overturn the fumble at the Chargers? Now they're going in and scoring. And then I realized that the Jets offense was on the field and I'm looking at the numbers of the players because that's the beautiful thing about the NFL is you know who's on the field by the numbers. And and I was like, wait a second, a pick six. I, I didn't even have time to freaking, I didn't have time to, to close my eyes and blink and, and, and they were down and they and they gave up the pick six you know and the jets you're, you're absolutely right the, the two momentum plays in the first quarter before the first quarter was more than a little bit more than halfway over the jets had blocked the punt and scored a touchdown on a drive so it wasn't like it happened quick they, they blocked it drove down the field scored a touchdown then the Chargers, like you said had a long drive took it all the way down the field the jets get the fumble at that point the jets are winning six nothing have all the momentum in the world and they're the only team on the face of the goddamn earth who could be losing five seconds later i mean i I don't understand how you block a punt drive for a touchdown take a long drive away from the other team and make them fumble on the two and then you're still losing i mean only the jets can do that it is unique to the new york jets i didn't even look at it that way until you texted me and you said only the jets can have a blocked punt a forced fumble score an offensive touchdown and still be losing yeah, they're the team that goes out and, and and takes five balls away, whether it's fumble. They take, they get five turnovers and lose it, win the turnover battle, win the time of possession, and still lose the game. This is the team that does that. They they constantly do mind-boggling things like that. It's just amazing. Defensively, I thought I thought this Bryce Hall kid was a bright spot. Now he, I don't think he's going to be a shutdown corner, but he looks like he can be a contributor. He looked pretty good. You know, they they went after him a lot early because he's a rookie, and that's what you do. You you game plan to go after rookies. And, uh, you know, he held his own. He gave up a couple of plays, but I wouldn't say he was great, but he showed some promise in, uh, you know, as a kid only playing his second game of the year. And then the defense overall, I thought was was decent. I know that's a tough thing to say when they gave up, you know, 6,000 yards passing in the first half and they couldn't stop anything. And, and Herbert looked <laughs> Herbert looked like freaking Brady in his prime. You know? He was the Marino, but, yeah, he was. And Keenan Cameron, Allen yep. had like 10 catches for over 100 yards in the first half. He ended up with like 15 catches. I mean, and, that, and that's when they, they did nothing in the second half. I thought they played pretty well. They hung in there. And uh, the one point I wanted to make, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but the one point no, no, I please. wanted to make is we have talked all year, every podcast, about how much Adam Gase sucks and he doesn't get much out of his team. We have definitely mentioned a bunch of times how you can still be Owen, you know, Owen, whatever it was at the time. And and look like you have life, and the Jets have been ill-prepared. Yesterday was was a tale of two teams. There was the offense, um, which 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 was pretty good at times, but the defense was an example of what we've been talking about all year. They they are overmatched. They have a good team with with really good receivers. I mean, Allen Williams, Hunter Henry. That was his name. I couldn't think of it the other night. Hunter Henry. Um, th- those guys are good. They, you know, they they were shredding the Jets. And this this defense hung in there. Williams found a way to not give up 
and actually get them to play better. And the second half, he basically shut them down to a degree. So that is that is what you want to see all year, a team that is not talented, playing well and playing over its head. And even if you're going to lose and you're going to be bad, you at least show some life and, and look like you know what you're doing. And that the defense only one side of the ball gave us that yesterday, and that was the defense. Because the offense, on the few times that they actually, you know, started to do well, got punched in the mouth and, and folded up in a corner and went and cried. Even when I was watching the score and the stats, I was proud of the defense because the effort was there. We are a bad team. Everybody knows that. We're we're lacking talent, but you could see that Greg Williams demands he demands effort and the team. At least the defensive side of the team responds to him. The effort was there. They give up big plays. But again, you, when you lack talent and you're going against the likes of Keenan Allen, Hunter Henry, it'll show. At the end of the day, when you have to go head-to-head for four quarters and you're just outmatched talent-wise, it will show. But the effort was there. I applaud them. At this point, I want to see effort. I want to see if somebody will step up. And the defense gave me all of that. Last negative as far as t- uh, on the offense. And this is where I need to hear your thoughts and i hope you somehow explain to me that i'm crazy all the rage last week uh the the week before when we played the patriots was ah look at how good the offense can look we finally have all three of our wide receivers healthy and available we had them this week correct me if i'm wrong i think between the three of them they might have had one or two catches maybe for 10 to 15 yards in the first half what is the point of the goddamn weapons if you're not going to use them. And that, again, goes back to me shitting on Adam Gase. The first offensive play of the game was an absolute disaster, the pick six. And Adam Gase says, instead of saying, listen, bad play, shake it off. My three wide receivers are my top weapons. Let's attack, attack, attack. We got to get them involved. We got to get the ball into their hands. Adam Gase says, ooh, pick six. No, 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 no. Let's get uh, let's get Frank Gore dusted off and let's run. Completely ignored the three best weapons in for the entire first half and that's why robo that's why i say that to me this game wasn't as close as the score indicates they started making the plays in the second half they started opening up the offense the receivers got involved but when it mattered when the game was still sort of a back and forth affair when you had to go into the into halftime with it being a manageable score he being adam gaze completely neglected to use our best weapons for the entire first half of that game and that pissed me off. Well, I didn't think of it in those terms at the time, but as you pointed out, I realized it. But I'm just so conditioned to realize that Adam Gase is not going to take advantage of his strengths that it, it, it didn't really phase me. Because, And it's funny that you mentioned all of this because there's two things that I wrote down that both point to Gase being a, a complete freaking moron like he always is, okay? One of them is directly what you're talking about here is that the Jets' secondary is depleted, so the Chargers attack the secondary, right? Quarterback goes off, completely goes off, and, and the Chargers didn't let up on the Jets the whole first half. The Jets eventually had to make adjustments before the Chargers would lay off. And then what did the Jets do? The Jets don't do that at all, which plays exactly to your point, is the Jets have, the Jets have receivers. They don't game plan for getting their receivers the right amount of touches, the right amount of plays. They don't put plays in there that that get them opened up, nothing like that. And the other, the two other points I wanted to make on that was that I saw the same thing you did. They get the pick six and then boom, they go back into the conservative offense. It's like, okay, here we go again. It's almost like, you know, Gase saying that he doesn't know whether to go in his players' faces or leave them alone. It, that's indicative of, of what he does. He He's like, okay, well, they just had a tough play. Maybe I should leave them a little bit of a rest. We'll just run Frank Gore for a little bit. You know, let them, let them get over it and then we'll we'll try something again later. I mean, maybe it's that simple. Now, the third point I wanted to make in relation to Gase and the personality his team takes on because of him 
like Berrios, right? Berrios gets a kickoff and and he's like three yards deep, takes it out of the end zone, gets to the 13 yard line, right? All right, bad move. I, you know, fine, be aggressive. That's fine. It's a bad move. You get over it, you shake it off. What happens? The next kickoff, he catches the ball about a half yard deep, maybe one yard deep, and then kneels down immediately. Doesn't he didn't even look like he searched around to see whether or not he could make a play. He didn't do it. He just caught the ball and kneeled down. So that just tells me right there that you make one mistake that doesn't work out and you're not even gonna try again. You just you just basically surrender, wave the white flag, take the touchback, and that and you know, you're owing you're owing nine at this point. You're losing. Obviously, the Chargers offense is going off. What do you have to lose by at least looking to see if maybe you can make something happen? And if you get out to the 15 again, fine. Who cares? But you just basically they take on the personality of their of their coward coach who who has no clue how to overcome any adversity whatsoever. Nobody's going to convince me otherwise. You can say that uh, we're still going to be waiting to disagree, but this starts from the top down. The guy doesn't know how to lead, and the team is looking for a leader, and that's just a big void right now. It just This game is just a microcosm to me of what Adam Gase is. Just two weeks ago, the TV pundits, everybody, the crazy Jets fans, if you wanted to defend Adam Gase, that was it. We finally have our three wide receivers. We can open up the offense. We can actually look like a legit team. All the weapons are there. You had a bye week to prepare a game plan for a bad team. And at halftime, your best weapons are absolutely non-existent. That's just inexcusable to me. And for the same reasons you just summarized, you got to play to your strength. And I don't think Adam Gase looks at it, looks at it that way. He's just, his mentalities, these are the plays that I believe in. These are the plays that make sense. Before the game, it's almost like he scripted. Find a way to make them work. That's it. That's it. I'm not going to play to the strength of my team. I'm going to play to what works and what's worked for me in the past. Uh, six years ago, when I was a successful offensive coordinator, I once called that play and it ended up being a 45-yard catch and run. This is going to work today. This is the play. It just boggles my mind how inept he is. And I just, oh, I cannot wait for, to get an alert on my phone. The Jets officially and the relationship with Adam Gase. All right, a couple of other quick points I made here. One of them was a funny one. The announcer, uh, the color analyst, at one point, the Jets were about to punt, and he said, um, "You know, uh, you know, the Jets—they're zero and nine. This is this is a great time. They're on. They're inside the Chargers' territory. This is a great time for a fake punt." It's, you know, the Jets are 0-9. You don't have anything to lose. Maybe they, they, you know, if I was the Chargers, I'd be on the lookout for that here. And I'm thinking. This guy, it's his job to prepare for the teams he's announcing for. What in anything he could possibly have prepared for would give him the impression that Adam Gase would ever try that? There's no, there was no chance. The Chargers could have just not even rushed anybody and had them all back and, and blocked for a freaking return because there was no chance he was going to be faking anything. I remember that play and I agree with you 100%. So then there's Balage, right? Balage is, was on the Jets for like a day. You know, and everybody was making fun of it. It's one of Adam Gase's guys. They bring in his guy. And then for whatever reason, Gase got rid of him. But that kid looks good. I mean, what what was it that Gase saw that he felt he had to drop? Don't you think he might have been a nice compliment to Gore and, and Pirine? You know, then the guy was gone and now he looks he looks pretty good. What, what what happened there? Do you even remember? Or should we just chalk it up as another stupid Adam Gase thing? I have to chalk it up as another stupid Adam Gase thing. I honestly don't know what happened, why he was let go. But looking at the game, I'm, I, I certainly caught my thinking 
at the moment they were discussing that uh, Adam Gaze brought him in and then it didn't work out. He let him go. And I'm just sitting to myself and I'm thinking, I'll take him over Frank Gore, not as a knock on Frank Gore, but just simply for the age difference and what the Jets' long-term plan is. Balazs would have been a much better fit, even if he's not an every down back. Hey, we might have found a complimentary back, somebody who can step in and play one week if somebody is injured. But certainly it's a secondary option. Why not? And the guy has the youth on his side versus Frank Gore. So to me, that was just another one of those things where, like you said, I'm just going to chalk it up to Adam Gaze being a moron that he is. There was one one of the touchdown passes that Herbert threw made me realize the kid was like, wow, this is this is a real deal thing. Now, I mean, I know timing plays and throwing to spots are, are what NFL quarterbacks do, but I have never seen a rookie be so prepared for such a thing. Now, he, they, you know, the, the touchdown was one thing. It looked like it was going to get picked off, and suddenly it was in Keenan Allen's hands. But when they showed the the camera view from behind the quarterback, behind Herbert, Herbert threw the ball before either guy, either either um, Allen or the or the cornerback, had even gotten to like they were at like kind of halfway through the end zone. And if you remember the play, it was caught at the back of the end zone. Oh yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. Neither one of them had even had even reached their spot yet. He threw the ball. Allen turned around and hit him in the chest, and the cornerback, who was in great position, never even had a chance to think about it because the ball was already in Allen's hands. That was an all-pro, freaking Hall of Fame quarterback play. I don't care what anybody tells me. I, I don't see. I don't see veterans make that play for that kid to throw to that spot with such accuracy and bullet and put a bullet in there when only Allen can catch it before the cornerback could even turn around. Was was like, wow, this kid really does have it. I was I was watching him and I was just I was admiring him. I, I did not. See- see this coming out i did not see this uh, being the product when he was coming out of oregon i always was a little skeptical of oregon quarterbacks because of somebody like marcus mariata if you watch college football you know oregon is more of it's more of an about being an athletic quarterback who can run being a dual threat and that always gives me a little bit of hesitation how that'll translate to the nfl if you don't end up in the right system I am all in on the kid. His stats speak for themselves. And I have to give him credit because the stats he has, they don't, something doesn't add up. These are not the stats of a quarterback who is on a three and seven team. Uh, He doesn't turn the ball over. He makes the right throws. He doesn't look overmatched. I was absolutely impressed uh, all around. Maybe one day I'll feel that way about a Jets quarterback. That'll be nice. Don't hold your breath. Final point for me. I mean, you obviously can make as many as you want, but final point for me is, you know, I always, I always, they're not even jokes anymore, but I always make these jokes about how Adam Gase is allergic to first downs and he treats him like a chick he met in a bar, blah, 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 blah. That sequence at the end of the game when the Jets had two timeouts left, a minute and a half, and they were on like the Chargers 40 and, you know, and, and they threw two straight passes on third and fourth down into the end zone. To try, you know, and I understand that I understand the thing there. You want to try and draw a penalty and maybe get down there, and then, you know, then then what you can do is with a minute and a half left, you can score and leave the Chargers all kind of time. So that, I I don't understand the point in not trying to get a first down when you on three plays. You you have second, third, and fourth down, and they throw two of those balls into the end zone. I don't understand that at all. It's stupid. You are not 15 seconds left in the game. You are not out of timeouts where you need the penalty at this point. You have two timeouts and a minute and a half left, and you don't want to score immediately unless, of course, it happens because then the Chargers are going to have time to go down there and beat you. So this is what make, this is what makes me think that, that Adam Gase really is the, the dumbest and worst coach I've ever seen when you start doing that. I just don't understand that entire sequence one little bit. I agree with you. To me, the final takeaway was the first half of this game. Uh, We were not playing 
one one of the great defenses of in the history of the NFL, the the '90s Baltimore Ravens, whoever that may be, the whoever you think of as one of the top defenses of your of your lifetime, we were Bears not playing 85. that team. Listen, if we go into halftime and it's a one score game, then who knows what can happen? It's not like Chargers are a good team. Maybe they would have panicked. Holy shit, this winless team is right on our tail. Maybe they would have found a way to choke. You got time for a couple of Facebook posts or do you have a couple of points you want to make? No, I think I'm all done with the game, but I'd love to hear the Facebook post that you dug up this week. This one is not Jets related, but yeah, I guess indirectly it's Jets related, but it is yeah, no awareness of real situations and, of course, just being stupid in general. If the Bengals are in play for the first pick, do they take Lawrence and give up on Burrow after the serious knee injury? I'll let you uh, attack that one first, Mr. Wortman. This is just stupidity at its finest. The kid was looking like a rookie of the year. We're not in 1980s when a devastating knee injury, and I don't even want to call it a devastating knee injury. It's a, uh, it's a serious knee injury that's been, we see a ton of them every year. Uh, quick recovery time. He'll be good as new by next season. It might take him uh, a little extra time to, because there's always that period between coming back from an injury and then after a few, couple of months to actually going back to what you wore before the injury. But the kid was a front runner for a rookie of the year. He looked fantastic. What idiot would give up on him? Let's pretend they wanted to give up on him. Let's pretend he had an injury that they knew was going to end his career. Okay. Let's, you know, God forbid. I don't even like talking like that, but let's assume he did. The, the Bengals have two and a half wins because they have a tie. Does there any indication on the face of this earth that, that the Jets and Jaguars, either one of them or both of them, could get to three wins so that the Bengals could have the number one pick? I mean, is there anything that makes anyone think that's possible? No. At this point, Jaguars and the Jets are going to struggle to combine for two wins. Right, combine. Exactly. I think if the Jets sneak one in there, you get your two wins. I'm not sure either one of them is winning another game. And if it's a, a, a really crazy ending, then maybe we get three or four wins out of the two of them. But the good thing is that the Jags are the only competition for the Jets at this point because every other team now has three or more wins. That means the Jets would need to go three and three down the stretch to screw it up. So if, Jag- if Jacksonville can get another win, we are going to be in great shape. Post number two. Uh, th- these next two are kind of just one of them is ridiculous. The other's funny, but I figured it was it was kind of stupid anyway. This one, Ficken, Ficken's two PAT misses and Flacco's pick six were done on purpose to to assist with the tank. Now I don't know if this guy's being sarcastic. I didn't get the sense he was. So what you're saying is that a guy missed an extra point in the first quarter and and the other guy threw a pick six in the first quarter to help the team lose so they can tank. But then the quarterback went on a tear and almost brought them back to win. That's the logic we're dealing with here, the intellect. It's just the conspiracy theories are just, they're so stupid. I, f- I feel stupid by dignifying them with the response. If you're going to blow a game, you're going to find a way to blow it late. In the fourth quarter, you throw a pick six or you, you turn it over on downs. Which they did anyway. You don't throw they a pick six to sabotage <laughs> your game, but you don't start off with a pick six and then make a ton of big plays in the second half uh, that make it a game. I just, the, the, like you always tell me, the stupidity of the Jets fans. Here's the third one, which is, I think the guy was joking because he, he ended it with LOL. Um, but this, you want to talk about conspiracies. He said, I bet JD, which is Joe Douglas, obviously, I bet G, JD pulled a bunch of guys aside in the beginning of the season and was like, okay, when you're on the field, show how good you are, but then act hurt so we lose and fire this dumbass case. I mean, even as, a, as, a, as an attempt at humor, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. I actually believe that Joe Douglas wants Adam Gase to succeed. They're friends. Adam Gase was very, he was a big part of quote unquote signing off on bringing in Joe Douglas as a GM. That was his guy. So no, I, I highly believe that that's how Joe Douglas chooses to repay Adam Gase. 
Right. He tells the players, you know, because this wasn't leaked out by now. He tells the players to to uh, look really good, but then get hurt so that you can get rid of Geese. On that note, I have nothing further. Uh, it, we got Thanksgiving, and then we have a Dolphins game to, uh, you know, to kind of predict. So think about what you think is going to happen with the Jets. I will go on the record as saying I think they're going to lose, and then we'll talk about how, why, and the score later in the week. But, you know, that's it. That's what it is. You got anything else you want to add before we go? I'm going to go on the record, and I think this is going to be the week where I pick the Jets to have a W, but I'm going to leave it at that. I'm going to mull it over, and I look forward to our next one. Mm. All right. Well, I, I will say this in return. I will I will see your prediction of a win, and I will, I will return it, and I'll figure out which way I'm going to go. But eventually, the Jets are either going to actually pull one out, or they are going to get smoked again. I don't think they're going to keep continuing to lose by a by you know, by a, a, a one score or keep it close. So I think I think if you're gonna, you know, the odds are the Jets are either gonna actually win this game or they're gonna lose by 30. We'll talk later in the week about which one it's gonna be. Have a great Thanksgiving, my friend. Yours, bye. See you soon.